y'all this morning. Um, yeah, like Brody said, we've been part of Oak, I guess, like three and a half years now, pre-pandemic. I can't remember back that far. Um, and uh, it's, just, it's been a, a good place for us here and there. Um, and as you know, we're going through Ezra. So last week, um, Ezra and me and Maya, last week Brody introduced that. Uh, Brody reminded us of the slow work of God, right? like it's on the outside of the church right now, and the tumultuous times that these exiled women. Um, and even those had, that there were some that had stayed in the area, right, and had not been taken away from exile, um, and those folks are still there too, and everybody's like, there's been these three empires that have come through, Assyria, Babylon, and Persia, um, and with the Persian king, he had sort of said, oh, let's send these people back. Uh, where they can, you know, leave their place and I can get more taxes and all this stuff. So they've been sent back, these people that have been in exile. The temple had been destroyed somewhere, like 40, 50, actually, I can't do the math that quick, like 50 years before. Um, and they're finally back. Um, and so in this passage that Elizabeth just read for us, um, we see the exiled Israelites coming back to Jerusalem and repairing what's left of the altar and of the temple. So I, I titled the message this morning, Repairing and Remaining. Um, I'll talk about both repairing and remaining. Um, so they're coming back to repair what's left of the altar and the temple. Um, they're able to repair the altar in that first little section that she read, verses 1 and 2, out of Ezra 3, um, and to worship. And that's a really significant thing for them. A little bit later in the chapter, we didn't read it, talked about how they partly did that out of fear. Um, they really wanted a place to worship God. Um, because they were feeling like, oh, we're back. Some of us are back. Some of us like have been here this whole time, and like we want a place to worship God. It, it seems like that's a response um, to their fear of the people around them, of, of the nations that are now around them, and all these things. Um, so they do that part, um, and then it's about uh, seven months. I think the next slide talks about this. There's about seven months between um, when the altar is repaired and when they finally lay the foundation. Um, the, the scripture gives us the like seventh month and then the second month of the way they count months. Um, and so it's slow, right? It's not exactly fast. Um, and in that time, you know, they've been meeting for worship at the altar. And then they're continuing to grow their ability to, um, to build, to, um, to gather the supplies needed. They really are trying um, it goes into great detail. They really are trying to get everything right. Uh, they're trying to do it the way that Solomon did it back in the day. They're trying to like build it back to what it used to look like. Uh, so they go through like, oh yeah, you can only get this kind of wood from Lebanon, and we've got this, we've got this. Um, and then, you know, they start talking about who the people are that are doing it. So the Levites are the ones who have been set aside to do this kind of work, to keep the temple. Um, and you know, sometimes we think of um, the people of Israel, when we read it from, from where we sit now, we think of it as like one monolithic group or like thing, but actually, you know, they're, they're, they're 12 tribes, right? So 12 like family groups, like bigger than family groups, but there's like a lot of differences amongst them and different, different tribes are better at different things and all these different things. So there's not like one monolithic thing. I think sometimes when we read it from this distance, we can be like, oh, they're all like, I mean, just like a few pieces of paint any group. They're all like, you know, whatever. Um, so they're, they're waiting for this slow work of God. Um, and they keep pressing in. They want to, they want to um, bring back what they knew from before, some of them, right? 
Um, so then we get into sort of like at 10, verse 10 through 13. If you can stick that on the screen, that'd be awesome. Um, so they get ready, and they're going to have a worship service to thank God for this time, right? And they lay the foundation, and, and all the, there's the musicians, and all this stuff. And they sing, and they sing, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever and ever towards Israel. Which is great, like a, a moment of like dedication, of like a small triumph, right? Like we got the foundation in. Um, and it, it's interesting, right? You probably heard it when Elizabeth was reading. All in the next part, says, all the people responded with a great shout. Um, they praised the Lord. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundation, they wept with a loud voice when they saw it. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people couldn't tell, you know, um, the sound, the shout from the sound of the people's weeping. So the people shouted so loudly the sound was heard far away. Which is like an interesting, like, huh. Like, a worship service, there's shouting, there's praise, there's weeping. Um, commentators offer different ways of looking at this. Um, some say, oh, they were weeping for joy. Right? Some people's like, oh, they're privileged of weeping for joy. They're like so happy that, it, you know, sometimes that happens, right? Like, we're so happy about what's happened. Finally, they've been waiting for so long. Um, that, you know, oh, now I feel relief that we can put the foundation in and we're weeping. Um, some people think, some people wrote in the commentaries that some, that they felt like the old folks remembered how good the temple was before, and this wasn't as good. You know, it's not the same. Um, before, when we had the temple, we had King David, we had King Solomon, we were like strong people. We had our own kingdom, right? But right now, we're, we're restoring the temple, and all we have is us, the folks who stayed here too, but we're still you know, dominated by Persia, the Persian Empire. Right? So maybe there's this sense of, um, this is not as good as what we had before. Um, and I, you know, I'm reading these different commentaries, it's just, I, like to, I like to see what people, other people have thought. But I, I also felt like, you know, as I was thinking about it, um, it's like, well, I think they probably felt all those things. I think there's probably some relief of having that there. There's probably some continued fear. There's probably some, like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, so this, I was thinking about, uh, for those, uh, the next slide in the picture, um, this was the first day of school last fall. Actually, sorry, I might not be the next slide. The picture slide. Um, the first day of school, so if you can just, you can just think of this. If you remember the first day of school, oh yeah. In fall 2021, those are our kids. Um, they were a little shorter and smaller back then. Um, our kids have been online for the whole year. I don't know if a lot of people's kids were or um, what, but I, so we dropped them, that's our course. We rode the bikes to school, dropped them off, and then Kevin and I went to um, went downtown to BU Cafe and just got some food and ate out in that little, it probably has a technical name, but that little patch of grass that has tables. I don't know what it's called. Near the bowl. Anyway, so that picture is us, you know, there after we had dropped the kids off. And I just felt, I just remember feeling so confused. Or like all these feelings, right? Of like, oh, we just dropped off our kids. That's so great. Oh my gosh. It's the first time, like, we haven't really been with, they were like five and three at the beginning of the pandemic. 
right? And I get to this point, they've just turned seven and five, and we drop, drop them off, and we're like, I don't even know how it feels. Like, they're somewhere else. What if, oh, we're not responsible for them for this moment. But also, I don't know if y'all remember, but the Delta variant was kind of going crazy at the time. It was like, we're starting school, and cases are like, like this, right? And it was like, oh, I'm still really nervous. And I feel this, I don't know. Like, so actually, after, after we got done with breakfast, we went back home, and I went to my office, um, which is our walk-in closet, when the pandemic started. And the kids came home, we moved my office into like, we actually had a long, narrow walk-in closet. Actually, the window was really nice. Oh, wow. um, so I got, I got back in there, and I was like, okay. So I guess I should start working. But I sat near the window, there's like this little window bench seat, and just stared out the window for like half an hour. Because I was like, I want to cry. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll have a cry. You know, like, but there was just all these emotions, right? Relief that the kids aren't home, relief that they get to go to in-person school, fear about like, oh, what's going to happen? Do they remember how to go to school? I mean, Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin was going to kindergarten, so he'd never been to school. He'd done pre-K online. And I was like, oh, what is their first day of school going to be like? Just all these mixed emotions. Um, so for those of y'all that have younger kids or even older kids and remember that feeling, I think there's some of that happening, right? Like, when you read the passage, you can kind of think like, oh, well, they're done. Like, the foundation's in, it's, it's all done. But it's actually more like, we sent our kids to school, and now we're still, like, trying to figure out, like, what is the trauma we've been living through, right? Like, what is happening now? Like, this is very confusing. Um, um, and I think, move to the blank slide, thank As we continue to, I was thinking about repair. So, you know, I think, I don't know when, but historians are going to look back on this period of time, right, and have lots of things to write about and lots of things to say about the pandemic, about our politics, um, about our presidents. Um, I, I, I kind of wonder sometimes, well, sometimes when I sit around, I'm like, oh, what am I going to say? This is so crazy. Um, but as we continue to repair after disruption by pandemic, disruption politically, Right? Things may not, probably won't look the same as before. Right? Um, for some, they may seem worse than before. For some, they may seem better. It probably depends a lot on your own sociolocation. And what I mean by that is like your um, experience of life before the pandemic, um, your socioeconomic status, race, gender, sexuality, like all these other things play into how we experience the world, right? Um, so in this example of scripture, right, the older folks really wept. They had seen what it was before and they had something to compare it to. Um, I feel like right now in our society and in the church at large, um, people have really mixed feelings about what's going on in the world and in the church. I think a lot of it depends on um, their experience of marginalization, of pain, uh, whether that's from the church or in the world, right? Um, it's been a challenging few weeks, um, personally, for me in ministry. Like, like Brody said, I'm the National Director of Asian American Ministries for University. I kind of mean by I'm not assigned to a particular campus, and I try and um, develop, help, help us care for and develop resources to reach Asian American students and faculty on campus. That also means I work with about, like I, 
I work, there's about 250 Asian American staff in MRC that I try and care for and work with, and um, I'm talking all of them. Don't worry, that's a lot of people. But um, it means I'm on a lot of Zoom calls. Um, and, you know, I try and write to them every month and sort of, you know, here's some things to think about, here's what I'm thinking about. Um, and it's been a challenging, like, month, right? Um, I, I thought about, you know, a lot of times when I preach it, oh, you put some images up to help remind you. But I'm like, I'm just not even going to put images up because I think some of us are so tender, right, that, that we just need to think about it for a second and we'll remember, right, how hard it's been. So targeted racial violence um, attack on African-American communities in Buffalo, um, political and hate-filled shooting at a Taiwanese church in Laguna Woods, California. I learned about a week later that I had some family friends that were there, um, not too far from the gunman. And then, of course, at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Um, it's been a hard few weeks as we think about um, racism, as we think about gun violence, as we think about ways structures and institutions maybe aren't doing what they're supposed to do, um, what aren't doing what they were meant to do, perhaps. Um, tied in there, that hit close to home for me, um, a week after the, after the shooting in Buffalo and in the Chinese church, but before the shooting in Texas, um, the Southern Baptist Convention released a report mm -hmm. on clergy sexual assault. And you know, I, I had been tracking it enough to know that it was not going to be a good report, right? The reason they were doing investigations and there were there was there was stuff. Um, but it was worse than I knew. It was more intentional than I knew. Um, keeping a list of offenders or keeping that list of offenders from others it was like a secret list, basically. So they knew, but they weren't telling other telling the churches that these people were going to go leave and stuff like that. Um, that really took me out in a lot of ways, spiritually, emotionally, um, that week right before the Uvalde shooting. Um, maybe it's because, you know, I grew up not in a Southern Baptist church, but very close to a lot of Southern Baptist churches. Maybe it's because there's been a series of um, abuse, I shouldn't say scandals, but um, in the church, you know, over the last few years, and that's nothing new, right? Um, but I think they're, they've been more well, more publicized, perhaps, um, maybe closer to home. I don't know. Um, and so, and so, it's been hard to feel like, oh, what are we trying? Is this worth repairing? You know, is the church? Is this worth? You know, like, and you know. There's always ups and downs, right? And so I kind of knew, I was like, there's ups and downs. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna sit with Jesus, I'm gonna get prayer um, from friends. Um, which has been really helpful, of course. Um, last week, Justin led the song, I had never heard this song before, but he played the song Citizen after Parasite Communion. And I had never heard the song before, I've been listening to it, and I'm like, oh, this is really deep. And it struck a chord in me. Such that like, like I got teary. I honestly, I honestly wanted to ugly cry, but you know, it's like right after communion, and you like, kind of don't want to make. But I went home and I listened to it again because I felt like it expressed for me the questions I have for God, or, or, 
but now and not yet. Oh, I know you love us. I know you're working. But sometimes I feel like I can't see it, right? Um, so I wanted to say what has helped me in this season, right? Like, um, in some ways, right, like, circumstantially things haven't gotten better. The more we find out about the shooting of Hector, the worse it gets, right? The more, you know, this has been continued, um, other things that have happened in the world. Um, I wanted to say, I feel like what has helped me is um, remaining in God's love. And so that's the remaining part of it. So remaining in God's love. Um, and I think, for me, that's meant acknowledging and accepting the feeling. The emotions, right? So it's not saying like, oh, I should never feel this way because God is good. God is good, and it's okay to feel, right? They wept at this worship service, these Levites who had been there. They cried. And the person, I love that the author writes about it, right? They could have sugarcoated it. They were like, everybody was so happy, it was so great, and then we had potluck, and like everything's gone, you know? Like, but they included it, and they were like, it was so. It was confusing. I was like, oh, I'm glad you wrote that. Um, when I got prayer that week, um, later in that week, um, I felt like one of the things God, Jesus told me, Jesus met me in that moment and saying, with, my, with the person who's praying with me, I'm like, you know, Sabrina, you're only human. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, yes, human, definitely human. Um, but as we prayed further into it, I felt like, oh, Jesus is saying it's okay to be tired, right? Because I told, I was telling my friend, I was like, I am just so tired. I think my hope tank is low. And all this stuff is happening. I'm tired. Um, and Jesus said, you're only human. And in that, I felt like I was hearing Jesus say, like, yeah, you know, I slept in a boat. I got tired. I got hungry. Um, being tired is not a fault. Sure, there's times when we overextend ourselves, when you pull back, and maybe there's some, like, things to learn about that. But also, we're not robots, right? And we experience fatigue and pain. And and I say that like you're like, yeah, no, that's Sabrina. Like we're not we're human and we're not robots. But I do believe there's something in our society that that keeps pushing us to think that like if you're tired, there must be something wrong with you, mm. or all you have to do is do this and it'll be better. And it's like, no, you know, actually. Being human and being aware and and wanting to love well and wanting to repair, that takes a toll, you know? Um, we're not the energizer bunny. Um, and and uh, and that's okay. I felt like God really met me in that. I also love that in this passage they said, God is good, God's graciousness for Israel lasts forever. Another translation says God's steadfast love endures forever. And there's, there's gratitude in that statement as they pray that out loud, right? Gratitude, like, last forever, God, you helped us lay this foundation. But there's also hope, right, in this now and not yet. That the kingdom has come, but it's also not yet, right? Jesus has come, and um, the Spirit has come, right? Pentecost, the Sunday is Trinity Sunday. Um, we remember the Trinity. God's given us the Spirit. And, and also we're not yet, right? Um, with that, I'd say the other remaining is in community, participating in God's work. So for me, reaching out to my community and saying, like, hey, I'm really struggling this week. Can you pray for me? And, um, 
And being in church is a part of that. I love that we practice communion every week. I didn't grow up with that. Um, but for me, that is a, 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 a practice that grounds me and reminds me um, that we're part of community, not just here, but the global church, right? Um, and participating in God's work together. I love that, I love that Oak Church um, has such a strong ministry here in Lakewood and in Durham, that we want to be a church here for this neighborhood, for this city. Um, I think that's really powerful and participating in God's work in that um, to repair what's broken down. Um, I'm also learning more, was reminded recently of um, our privilege even as Americans. Um, many of us who are Americans, um, if you're here, and American citizens, the stewardship of our privilege in that, and how um, how our lack of action or lack of engagement um, is really poor stewardship of being a voice in um, in the world, right? So for so for our friends and who live in other countries and um, see us see the United States has so much power, right? So I, I think I can get really um, bogged down in like, oh, I don't know if I can do anything, you know? Um, I don't totally understand how the government works, you know, like I wish I'd paid more attention, or I don't think the government works the way that it was meant to, or I don't know if it's working very well, you know, like whatever. Sometimes the kids ask these questions and you're like, I don't know how to explain this to you, you know, like, um, but, recently been reminded that our um, invitation to participate in our government, whether that's in the local government, in our state government, of those things, that's actually a form of stewardship of our um, power, of our resources, as for those of us who are American citizens. Um, and trying to practice that thing where I was, recent, I, was, I was taught a few years ago that, I mean, obviously voting is important, so vote. <laughs> um, but also that calling is maybe just as, if not more, powerful than voting. Because our representative officials, right, um, they take each call as, a, as like representing more than just the one person's call. Um, so I was like, oh, right, I need to like use my voice and not, I use my ballot for sure, um, but use my voice as well. Um, I think of another great prophet, um, Elijah, who, after winning a significant victory on Mount Carmel, he wanted to die. He was just so exhausted. Um, God took him to a place where he could sleep and eat. The birds brought him food. It's pretty awesome, right? No need for Grubhub or DoorDash. And I love that God reminded, because he, he thought he was alone. He thought he was the only prophet left. And God told him, no. You're not the only one. I can't remember. I, I didn't get a chance to look it up right before. Right? There was like hundreds more. I can't remember if it was like right? 600 more. He's like, there's like a lot of people left. Say it? Okay. Yeah, it was hundreds at least. Like, there's still others who have not bowed to the, the to Baal, right? And Elijah's like, I think that's where the remaining community, right? Like, the resting, the tiredness, right? That fits with the like, we're only human all those things, um, but he needed community too. So um, I think as I think about Oak, um, as, as Pastor Meg mentioned, we're, we're moving, we're moving to Virginia, and we'll hear more about that later, but 
I've been thinking about, as I prepared the sermon, I was thinking a lot about the church and um, wanting to just encourage y'all as, as you continue to work towards repair, right? Um, building back things that are broken here in Lakewood, here in Durham, in the places God called you in your vocation. Um, to continue to remain in God's love, right? Bringing those feelings, bringing those, that confusion, bringing whatever it is. And to remain in community, to participate in God's work. Um, I love that, I, I, I love that, um, like I said, the, the author here includes sort of the, there are these people who are weeping. Um, I want to just encourage in the church at large and in this church too to continue to welcome the different points of view, right? Like you might be just worn out and exhausted and weeping one week, and I hope you feel welcome in this place. On the flip side, you might feel like everything's awesome and God's doing amazing things in my life and in our family or in my work or whatever. You might be just like praising, praising, praising. And that's awesome, and I hope you feel welcome too. And how do we, in this time, especially when there's just so much um, different feelings and so much disruption, how can we also welcome each other and welcome the other? You know, if someone's in a tough spot, just being with them, right? Um, speaking a word of hope where it's appropriate, but not trying to fix it, you know, in that moment. But how do we also not, you know, bring down the person who's like, Praising God and like really, really excited, you know, and hopeful. Um, I hope I, I hope and pray that Oak can continue to be a place where that that can happen, um, where those kinds of um, relationships and community can continue, right? Around the table, um, around our worship, um, worshiping God, around um, our participating together and working towards.